0: Kiora and welcome from RNZ National. Here's Our Changing World with me, Alison Balance. Time, tides and a few massive earthquakes have opened a portal into our distant past. Over the last decade, geologist Greg Brown from GNS Science has discovered nearly 50 dinosaur footprints on the shore of a Golden Bay estuary. It's the only place in New Zealand where dinosaur footprints have been found and Greg is always hopeful that erosion might reveal more. On a recent field trip, he enlisted students from Collingwood Area School to help in the search and RNZ's Nelson reporter Tracy Neal went along to walk in the footprints of some sauropods.
1: We're at an intersection on a remote gravel road deep within Whanganui Inlet a large estuary south of Farewell Spit on the fringes of Kahurangi National Park. A team of GNS scientists led by Greg Brown has been explaining to students from Collingwood Area School what the day might hold for us. Greg says the field trip is an ideal way to engage students in some hands-on science and show them what's in their backyard.
2: Okay, so we're here today to engage with the local Collingwood Area school. The function of the day, the purpose of the day, is to try and find some more dinosaur footprints. It's partly um, the scientific method, um, engaging with the students to try uh, to get them interested in science, um, how we work as scientists, the sorts of um, activities, the fun we have uh, when we're collecting data. Um, so the hypothesis is that this is an area where there are footprints and we might find some more. So um, part of the learning will be to test that hypothesis to see whether we can find more, Um, but the purpose is for them to be thinking about what they're seeing to try and understand um, how the environment was 70 million years ago.
1: Helping Greg are Lucia Roncalia, who's head of the GNS paleontology department, and Mariana Teretzo, a GNS science technician and collections manager, whose job is to preserve samples of what they've found. As we hike to the site, Mariana tells me that they'll be showing students some existing footprints so they know what to look for. She's been there earlier to create silicon copies of the prints called peels. This is my third trip here. Part of my work um,
3: on this particular locality is um, getting peels of the footprints. So I guess a stamp in this particular time of, of their structure, of what they look like. Hopefully I can show you one. Um, It's essentially a mirror image of a very fine layer of of that sediment. And they preserve, if if they come out well, they preserve the features
1: beautifully. As we negotiate a steep and muddy track, I come across an especially enthusiastic Year 6 student. His dyslexia hasn't prevented him soaking up knowledge of his favourite topic. So what's your name? Colin. I'm the dinosaur expert at my school. You're the dinosaur expert at your school? Yep. What makes you the dinosaur expert? Uh, I know
3: quite a lot about dinosaurs.
1: Tell me what you know.
3: Um, saw pod is a long-necked dinosaur. And it's like, hell You yeah. learn
1: quite a lot about them. What do you like about them?
3: Um, t have a massive jaw muscle. Why do you think they had that jaw muscle? Uh, because it's, uh, it's food. So, so I mean, what,
1: what do you think happened to the dinosaurs?
3: Um, it got. the middle got smashed into Earth. And do you think one hit here in Collingwood? No. Nah. No. Nah. I think. I know for sure that one hit the Gulf of Mexico.
1: After a 30-minute walk, we're at the site whose exact location remains a secret in order to protect these extremely rare footprints. As Collins said, the dinosaurs that roamed these parts were sauropods, which are large herbivores. They thrived in a lush coastal environment that Greg says was much the same then as it is
4: now. Lucia points out, though, that there was one key difference. The last stage of the Cretaceous was a very hot time, uh, so a very, very warm world. But New Zealand, this part of, of, uh, of the globe, was about 70 degrees south, so much closer to the pole. So it wasn't a tropical world, but it was a warmer world. And quantifying how warmer the, the, the ocean water was is not easy. You can only see from the ocean around New Zealand at the time that the diversity of the plankton was extremely high, which is not typical of polar water, so it was probably a, a, a warmer uh, environment than it is today. Greg says that most dinosaurs had
1: bird-type feet with three digits, But the sauropod had distinctive feet that were more like those of an elephant and could be larger than a car's steering wheel.
2: So they were um, evolved for fast locomotion, so they could run quickly. Sauropods, because of their size, big, ungainly things, up to 40 metres long, over um, 100 tonnes. Depending on how you want to measure the biggest animal that's ever lived, um, the blue whale is much, much heavier. It's about twice that weight. And the biggest blue whale is about 30 metres. They're certainly the biggest land animal that's ever lived.
1: When the sauropods walked or ran, their feet punched through the sediment, compacting it and leaving clear imprints with sharp margins. These then filled with sand or mud, or a mix of both. And here's a twist. Lucia says massive tectonic forces which buried these signs over millions of years have also helped reveal them.
4: So what happened was also that all these layers of this environment get submerged under a very, very deep sea, and this happened much later than the Cretaceous and the dinosaur time, and that's why they, got, uh, they became cemented as we see them now. They became rock. It's not loose sand, it's actually rock. And then after many millions of years, all of this material came up again through tectonism primarily and that's why it is exposed and that's why it's here and that's why it happens to be exactly in the same kind of environment.
1: Greg says every print is different, a bit like a thumbprint. He's not exactly sure why this small corner of New Zealand is a dinosaur treasure trove, although he has a strong theory.
2: It was obviously pretty much a thoroughfare for the dinosaurs to be walking through, so they were herbivores, so they would have been perhaps migrating, looking foraging for food, um, and maybe they went from one little bay around the coastline, around a headland, to another bay, so maybe we've got a bit of a you know, a conduit for the travel of the, of the animals through a certain area.
1: So of course the landform we're looking at now isn't how it was then, though.
2: Well, it's interesting because it just so happens that now is pretty much the same environment that this area was way back 70 million years ago. So that doesn't always happen, but um, since 70 million years ago, we were in a tidal, intertidal, mudflat, sandflat area. And then since then, um, those layers have been buried, and they've been buried several kilometres, and then they've come back up to what is the present-day surface all in the last 70 million years. So it just so happens that um, what we have today in terms of environment is what we were seeing 70 million years ago.
1: Greg discovered the footprints by accident about 15 years ago while searching for clues of oil and
2: gas. I'd always had in the back of my mind, well, maybe the dinosaur footprints, and I'd sort of joke to people and say, you know, come and have a look at the dinosaur footprints. Uh, Not really knowing what they were, but just sort of saying, well, you know, that's... That's a possibility. And so, then, so it wasn't a eureka moment? Not really. Um, it, it was a it was a moment that was um, spread over a number of years. And then, as I worked closer and closer to that thought, uh, you know, that was exciting. Um, if they are, you know, that's really important because it's the only discovery in New Zealand. And, you know, it's a piece of our geological history that most other countries have, but we... Didn't have up until then. I guess it was a more of a case of eventually the penny dropped and put, put all the dots together uh, and yes, that's what they are. And then, you know, it was still always quite sceptical and I always say, well, I was probably the, the biggest sceptic and, of them all, but you can't really explain them any other way.
1: Lucia marks a boundary in the estuary's tidal zone where the students are to carefully sweep mud from the rocks. The Italian-born paleontologist came to New Zealand a decade ago to help calibrate our geological timescale to align with the international one. She says the Golden Bay discovery is important on a global scale.
4: Well in general very very exciting in New Zealand is the fact that there is a lot to discover. When you come from uh, the old continent, you know many people have been there before and lots of discoveries have already been made. Here we have a, a paradise because we know that there is a lot that we don't know and we can find. So this 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 specific find was very relevant because we have been thinking that it was unrealistic to not have any, any evidence of dinosaur in the South Island, the main island. Uh, I was at a conference two years ago, an international paleontological conference, and many of the spe- specialists on tracks and footprints. Uh, were very in, inter, interested in this find. Not because they are footprints, but because they are here in New Zealand. Yeah, and this is really relevant for the entire Pacific area. And the work's significant for another reason. And in terms of modelling, for example, in the work of climate change, we work very much into the climate, uh, paleoclimate research. We are the only one that can actually put a the, the point of difference and provide this data to the models that get done in the Northern Hemisphere, but that are global models. So we are responsible for the South Pacific and also part of the Antarctic research. And these areas are just areas that nobody else actually can access, Yeah, only us.
1: The students are making hard work of brushing away the mud. One sweeps while another sluices the freshly revealed rocks with buckets of salt water. After the disappointment that a shape in the rocks turns out to be just the shadow of something else, a discovery is finally made, a new dinosaur footprint. Violet Wells gives her verdict.
3: It's like no one's seen these before and it's like we found them and it's like, yeah, it's just so, so good.
1: 70, yeah. This is 70 million years. First to eyes on this particular formation. That's quite significant, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it's quite, it's quite awesome.
1: Can, can, you, can you actually imagine what 70 million years no. is like? No, can't. Can you imagine what this would have looked like 70 million years ago? What it might have been like with dinosaurs walking around here?
3: No, it's weird, like, it being in the same area. It's quite amazing that it's, like, where, where they actually walked. It's like this is an actual footprint. It's not just, like, something that someone's
1: made. It's quite cool. So so these these were the size of elephants, so it's, it's quite hard for even me to fathom what that would have mm. sounded like or looked like with one coming around the corner there. Yeah, what
3: they'd look like or anything like that, or, like, how big they are. Or, yeah, it's just... Hard to imagine,
1: really. Student Megan Zeller says the experience tells her she's on the right track with her biology and earth and space studies
3: geology is something that i've always been really interested in just about like formation of things and i'm just really interested in pursuing a career in that hopefully so this is an amazing experience to be able to actually see what it's kind of like (laughs) did you know much
1: about it that the fact that these prints were here? no not
3: really i it was kind of a shock to know that it was um, like right on our front doorstep so yeah it was crazy to find out about it and it's so interesting knowing that it is just here
1: Greg says it's a brilliant find.
2: It's an animal doing something 70 million years ago that we see the behaviour. So, you know, behaviours can be eating and drinking. In this case, the behaviour is walking. So they're a trace, a piece of evidence um, of a behaviour. And the behaviour was walking. And I just find that amazing. Here we are 70 million years later... <laughs>
1: Before too that, they were good swimmers, and, they, and presumably to be able to get away from predators. So did we have those large predators
2: here? So we do have bones for some of the um, carnivorous dinosaurs. So um, we're actually doing quite a lot of work in the Hawks Bay at the moment. Um, there's a program where we're trying to find uh, and bring out more bone material. We know there are bones in um, a general area. Uh, through the work of Joan Wiffen and her colleagues several decades ago. But yes, we do have evidence for the bipedal carnivorous dinosaur. Um, So yes, they, they would have been part of the ecosystem.
1: Greg says that even though the prints are vulnerable to erosion and might disappear, they've decided to leave them where they are rather than dig them up. He says they need to be preserved as taonga so future generations can see them in the place they were made, where the dinosaurs walked. Mariana is busy making another peel, a mirror image of the imprint in the rock. It's a record of the footprint that can be stored for posterity.
3: Um, So I'm just making a peel of of one of the footprints that um, we already knew about. Um, I've just mixed up the silicon base with a curing agent um, and the chemical reaction basically turns uh, the liquid base into a rubber silicone rubber Um, so I've mixed the two and I'm just uh, slowly drizzling the whole thing onto the footprint covering the surface I want to make a peel of
1: so it's record keeping It is
3: exactly additionally out of the context of the whole site and with the other ones they don't really mean a heck of a lot So it's best that we leave them where they are, but um, through this process we just capture that snapshot of what they look like at this particular time.
1: Mariana says by doing this every couple of years they'll be able to track any changes in the way the footprints look and also find out whether these trace fossils might one day disappear, just as the dinosaurs themselves did 65 million years ago.
0: A big thanks to Tracy Neal. RNZ's reporter in Nelson. Greg Brown, Lucia Roncalia and Mariana Teresa are at GNS Science. And a big shout out to the students from Collingwood Area School in Golden Bay who were able to join the geologists thanks to a grant from the Curious Minds programme which recognises and celebrates the importance of science and technology in New Zealand. That's all for now. For more, check us out on the web. rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld Kakita Yano,